welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is November 26, 2019. This is episode 282. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we'll catch up on our baseball team. And in doing so, we'll get into some minor squabbles. When has that ever happened on this podcast? I don't know. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, uh, what are you imbibing on this week? I am drinking a Fordham and Dominion Brewing Company backstage IPA. And this is out of uh, Dover, Delaware. I would call this unimpressive. Okay. Uh, drinkable, but unimpressive. Uh, Jake, I am drinking a uh, Great Lakes Brewing Company Great Lakes IPA. Do you mind popping that open for me with your ring finger? Uh, definitely a nice IPA. Uh, not like the dank stankage that you have over there uh, going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're entering into the cusp of winter. Um, it's the off season, as it were. Um, so grapefruit beers is what you're telling me. Uh, so I'm saying, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to expand our palates, as it were, and enter into dark beer territory, a.k.a. Jake's favorite. Um, mm. So I actually had one this past weekend that I thought was excellent. Um, and I wanted to make mention of it because I, I know how big of a fan you are. A very big fan. Um, but uh, the one that I had was from Stone Brewing Company. It was called Woot Stout. And it was actually created by uh, Greg Koch, um, founder of uh, Stone Brewing. Um, but in addition, it was also co-brewed with Will Wheaton, who I know is one of your favorite individuals of all time. Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton. Yes. Uh, wonderful uh, black motor oil kind of stout, um, but tastes kind of like a combination of pecan pie with a little bit of Guinness in it. Um, wonderful. Absolutely great. And then I th- believe they actually aged it over um, soaked bourbon barrels. Um, so just a really nice, I think it was like 11% stout. Um, was in a can. That was the only downside. Um, but overall, really nice beer. Hmm. Highly recommended. I really feel like they missed an opportunity. Any beverage that Will Wheaton is involved in needs to be called Shut Up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. Oh, that's the good stuff right there. If you'd like to know what we're drinking on the weekly basis, join us uh, socially on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. I'm at M E G N eight six zero six. And with that, let's go to this week on the Twitters. Scotty, our first tweet for this week on the Twitters uh, goes to one that brings a little re three pecked into the situation. And I know that a lot of people talked about this this week. So I'll just pick a tweet that came from a uh, former bird's eye view uh, guest Buster only, who of course tweets at Buster underscore ESPN next season. Manny Machado will be surrounded by folks. He knew well from the Orioles organization. In addition to the new bench coach, Bobby Dickerson and new first base coach, Wayne Kirby, the Padres have hired Ryan Flaherty Machado's teammate to oversee quality control. Good for Ryan Flaherty. The only other thing that the Padres could do is go out and sign Josh Donaldson just to make the Manny Machado experience fully complete. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jonathan Scope. I appreciate you went the other direction. I I, uh, I like that a lot. Uh, next tweet comes from uh, Masson Ravens um, at Masson Oriole Z. So this has to be Olivia Witherwright's alternate account on Twitter now. <laughs> uh, quote this with your most controversial opinion about the Yankee Stadium right field foul pole. Jake? Most controversial, it was base banditized. Mm. That would seem to be most people's opinion. My <laughs> opinion, um, a mere you know 
second place to the pesky pole at Fenway. I'm sorry, the what? Pesky pole? No. Pesky the, pole. The hardy pole. Oh, the hardy pole. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. Our next tweet. And Scotty, I want to talk a little bit about this one. Uh, comes from, let's let's again just pick one at random. Uh, Masson on Orioles at Masson Orioles. Oh, the real one. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. It's got a blue check. That means something, right? Uh, not unless you're from Australia. The Orioles have announced that weeknight games prior to Memorial Day and after Labor Day will begin at 6.35 p.m. for the 2020 season. Scotty, are you pro 6.35 or anti 6.35? Uh, I think I'm, I don't care. Um, but this does kind of fall right in that area of dinner time, bath time, and everything like that. I don't know. I, I don't see how it impacts me anymore. I don't think I'm going to watch more games. Um I just think it's just a footnote, as it were. I mean, the argument for is clearly that you get your kids home, you know, maybe in the 10 o'clock hour instead of the 11 o'clock hour, you know, the 9 o'clock hour instead of the 10 o'clock hour. Um, and, and the con is, you know, you got to rush home from work. Um, and it may be difficult, more difficult to get to 635 than it is to 705. But to be honest with you, this impacts 6,000 people a night. Not a big deal. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a significant issue whatsoever. Um yeah, moving on. Um, next week comes from Oriole Fan Probs again with a Z because that's what all the cool kids do on Twitter is add Zs to the end of the name. Maybe we should be called Bird's Eye View Balls. No? No. 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 Ball 69? No. 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 Uh, Balls XXX. Uh, there's a uh, picture here of um, it looks like a dark wizard. Um, spoiler alert. Um, and it says, I'm telling my kids this was Raul Abanez. I believe this was some kind of viral meme that was going around no no scott this particular one is not a meme oh, okay this is this actually is, accurate this is fact gotcha raul banez is indistinguishable from voldemort all right um now obviously we are not doing this um so i want to take a quote from rockabaco of course tweets at mass and rock elias on the mlb investigation and the astros electronically stealing signs quote Fact is, there's apparently an investigation ongoing. Prohibits me from making any type of public comment on it. I was almost exclusively focused on the amateur scouting and the minor leagues. End quote. Um, yeah. I guarantee whatever may or may not have happened in Houston, the Orioles are incapable of even stealing signs correctly. Next tweet comes from Jonathan Villar, and he tweets as follows. I am Orioles. Fire emoji. Dorothy in Kansas emoji and fire emoji. Um, really? Is, is that what that is? I, I'm assuming. It looks like a make it a tornado. Um, <laughs> I think I see a dog in it. So uh, maybe my screen's different than yours. Old lady on a bike. Yeah, absolutely. You've got Apple. I've got Look, I don't judge age here, okay? <laughs> um, so Jonathan VR uh, with a kind of a cool little typical Reddit um, fan graph image. I don't know. It's it's fine. It's neat little, you know, something. Um John Foyard thinks he's an Oriole. He might not be Oriole. He may not be. He may not be. He be, may be non-tendered. <laughs> All righty. Uh, our last tweet for this week on the Twitters, which, of course, is not this week. I think we're just pulling from uh, November in general since we've been missing. Um, but, you know, there's a lot to critique here um, with, with Chris Davis, but there's also a lot to praise. Here's a tweet that comes from Nathan Ruiz, who tweets at Nathan S. Ruiz. Chris and Jill Davis made a record $3 million donation to the University of Maryland Children's Hospital this morning. The facility uh, the donation is going toward will be named after their daughter, Evie. Hashtag Orioles. Again, 
I wish that Chris Davis was hitting all of the monster home runs. I wish that we were uh, talking about Crush and how important he is to this team. And I think that his days as a productive Oriole are far behind him. Um, but his days as a productive human are, are certainly not. Uh, so good on him and the Davis family. All right. So uh, it's time for us to kind of get into um, – you know, some of the things that have happened since this season has come down. Before we move off of this week on the Twitters, I want to make mention of something really quickly, and that's we didn't cover a particularly um, nuanced uh, individual um, that has been making his opinions very well known on Twitter. Um, and, you know, a part of me is the aspect of maybe we should cover this. Uh, maybe we should just stick to sports. Um, but when individuals have horse-esque comments, such as what they do, uh, we're not going to cover it in significant details. So, Let's go around the bases and uh, figure out, you know, what we have missed so far in Birdland. All right, Scotty, let's go ahead and go around the bases. We'll call this Stuff We've Missed Edition. It's been a while since we've been on the mics. We're in off-season mode. We get together every month. Uh, so let's let's go to first base, and we'll call this base Roster Review. Um, I, I'd like to start first in an area where we didn't used to really do much business, and that's South Korea. Uh, Aaron Brooks has been uh, released and allowed to sign a deal with the Kia Tigers in the uh, in the Korean League. What do you think about that? Does that say anything about the Orioles other than the fact that uh, they're going to have to replace Aaron Brooks? You know, Jake, in this new administration that we're in, um, you know, we are going to open up and uh, listen to all offers as well, whether it comes from South Korea and or North Korea, in order to foster a more uh, decisive uh, environment um, in the Asia Pacific region. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Uh, they told Michael Elias they loved his ass and would do anything. Love it. Um, here's the thing about Aaron Brooks. He's not a great pitcher. No. Uh, but he was one of the Orioles' most effective pitchers for a while. Was he? In 2019. Yeah, because they're awful. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just going to have to replace him. I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying they need all the arms they can get. Here's the thing. When you're that bad, it's... The situation of like you look at it and you're just like, well, he was the best of what we had, but when you have everyone failing, it's not graded on a curve. Everyone fails. Okay, I'm with you on that. Uh, remind me how this works. Did the Orioles get any money from the Tigers for this? I think they got something. Okay, like maybe like a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, that's not enough, enough. for a fan fest. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, still, still at first base and roster review. Uh, the Orioles protected some players for the 2020 Rule 5 draft. I just want to roll through a couple of names for, for, uh, with you and, and see if there are any surprises about who they did protect and any surprises about who they didn't uh, protect. Ryan Mountcastle, Keegan Aiken, Dean Creamer, uh, and Ryan McKenna, all protected. Good good choices, yay, nay, indifferent? Yeah, I mean, Mountcastle, Aiken, Creamer all make sense because, in, in theory, they could go to a major league roster. McKenna's a little interesting to me. Um I wouldn't think that someone would pick them up and keep them on their roster for the entire year, but I've been surprised before. Um, I think the most notable name that was left off 
was Cody Sedlock being yeah. left off the list. Um, again, first round draft pick from 2016, uh, only pitched 38 innings last year. Um, so I guess maybe there's a thought that, well, no one would pick him up because they couldn't, you know, get the amount of innings that they needed from him. But that's the only one that I'm a little concerned about, um, that the Orioles could be walking away from a first round draft pick from only a few years ago. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that, uh, I saw this, I meant to grab it for this week on the Twitters and I, I missed it and now it's gone. I, I think the Orioles, uh, minor league system is ranked now ninth ninth or, or tenth or is something yeah i think ninth per baseball prospectus right now okay so i would i would call it you know out of the desert so to speak and into a respectable minor league system not not maybe the best in the game but you know better better than most i think if you looked at the rankings from baseball america baseball prospectus um even keith law there are um a, a positive aspect we are in the um the upper echelon. We're we're not quite you know leading the pack, but we're at least on the honor roll at this point. Okay, that's nice. It's weird to be nervous about the Rule Five draft for once, right? It's weird to think that we have assets that we might lose. It's it's just a weird thing. It is odd, um, but I was I will point um, to it. Uh, generally, players that you lose through the Rule Five draft also become uh, quality coaches uh, in the future. <laughs> so it's not that big of a deal. So you're telling me that Pedro Araujo is a future quality control coach. Yeah, in the Dominican Republic or something like that. That's what I like to hear. Um, last thing about about the Rule 5 draft. Again, first time I'm thinking about this as a, as a, a you know team that may have something in the minors. Um, what is the impact of the Rule 5 draft on teams that are rebuilding? Do you think that from a competitive um, balance standpoint, it makes any sense to put protections in place for uh, not rebuilding. What's the best? What recovering teams, uh, like say the Orioles or you know soon to be the Royals or whoever, uh, to make sure that their efforts aren't aren't uh, hindered. No. Okay. I don't. I just asked the questions. I, I I think that if you look at the amount of rebuilding teams, I don't even know how you would classify a team as rebuilding. Hmm. I, I I just don't see how it's possible. Okay. Fair enough. Um, buried in an update in, uh, Rock's blog this week about minor league re-signings, I came across the fact that, uh, Ryan Ripken, at 26 years old, still in the Orioles organization. As a coach? <laughs> he, he played in three levels last year, including, uh, double A and had a non-negative, uh, slash line. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was quite surprised. So he's like the Tim Tebow of the Baltimore Orioles. Can they, I mean, can they cut Ryan Ripken without it being a thing? Yes. Shouldn't they cut Ryan Ripken? I mean, is he cheap? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming he's cheap. So here's the thing. He's like a mascot. Okay. Yeah. He, he gets out there and someone says, oh, it's, it's Ripken. And the kids can talk about it and the dads can talk about it. But in reality, he's nothing more than a mascot. All right. Um, hypothetical situation. Sure. Let's say, um, I don't know, the plane goes down while the Orioles are are traveling somewhere, or everybody gets measles and is out for the season, That's or, horrific, or something. And Ryan Ripken makes it to the major league level of, as, as a Baltimore Oriole someday. Sure. Uh, can Ryan Ripken wear one of the numbers that is out of rotation uh, for either his father or his grandfather? No. 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 That's a shame. I give him zero. <laughs> give him zero. Why have him if you're not going to have a Ripken out there in, in eight? Why have him? That number is retired. 
Fair enough. If he was a Yankee, that might be the case because they're going to have to recirculate. But for the Orioles, we don't need we don't have that problem. Are you telling me that no one else will wear Brian Roberts number fourteen? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, that is a sacred number. Let's talk about a couple of non-tender candidates. I mean, if Diana Roberts wants to wear it, I'm okay. But I'm not going there. Uh, let's talk about a couple of non-tender candidates. Uh, we we talked about VR. Yeah, uh, a candidate. He's a candidate because he's too good, right? He'll make too much money. Yeah, he's going to make a ton of money. All right. Uh, do do you think that he'll be on the Orioles on opening day? No. Okay. I I do. I think I think that he will be there. I think that uh I think that 10 million dollars or whatever they're going to have to pay him is within the budget um and at some point they they're just going to have to write off money uh, at the major league level and they'll probably have to throw more bad money after good by not signing him. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I don't want to see Alex Cintron out there at short. I think I think he'll he'll be with the Orioles. I could be wrong, but who else do you think is is a non tender candidate at this point? Everybody, <laughs> not Aaron Brooks. Aaron, not Brooks, Aaron Brooks is not a a non tender candidate. What about uh, what about Dick Blair? Uh, definitely a possibility. All right, all right. I actually I think the only guy that's safe at this point uh, might be Michael Givens because they'll try to trade him as soon as he has some trade value. So we talked about this from a non-tendering standpoint. Um, Miguel Gonzalez is actually a good example of this, where they actually tendered him, and then they released him before the season started, and they were able to recuperate, I think it's 60 to 70% yeah, of the given salary. Million. Um, so, I mean, they could particularly tender someone like a Givens or the Jonathan VR and then come back and say, no, we're actually going to release you in order to recuperate some of that salary back in order to do so. I just feel like... If you're going to make the move, you might as well trade them now rather than later. Um, I, I just don't see it. I think the Orioles are going to go really cheap. I, I think with Givens, you got to wait until he has like three good appearances in a row and then find somebody so never. and trade him yeah, and trade him instantly. He he keeps running himself out of trade value. I, I think they need to you know find that that magical moment and then get rid of him. All right, uh, let, let's go ahead and wander uh, aimlessly like Alexia. Can we steal second base? To second base. Like Jonathan Villar does? Mm, maybe like one of the kids. Okay. Who apparently can steal second for free. Um, the Orioles, uh, we'll call second base organizational review. Uh, the Orioles finalized their, their minor league coaching staff. I don't want to go through the, the names uh, one by one, but there are a couple of overall trends. Um, some of the coaches that were successful at the lower minor league levels are, are moving up. And also the, the second trend is that they made a ton of hires from outside of organized baseball. Yes. Um, particularly with hitting coaches. This is an interesting trend, um, uh, because, you know, you look at some of the lower level hitting coaches, whether it be, uh, I think Delmarva and, and Frederick, and these are guys not who, you know, have long storied baseball careers that are hanging on like Ryan Flaherty as coaches, but these are guys from like driveline and, you know, some of the, the hitting schools, uh, basically that apply analytics and technology into making players better. BJ Surhoff is clenching his fist right now. Very, very angry. I, I think it's I think it's really interesting and I think it will be interesting to track the success or not of the of the programs a, as they produce uh, major league talent. We'll see. I, I'm also interested to see, you know, the, the folks that were so successful in uh, Delmarva as they move up to Frederick and some of the coaches that, that are also moving up and see how that transition yeah. works. 
I'm assuming they're going to be working with some of the similar players, so it should be a good good opportunity for them to continue to work hand in hand. Yeah, I, I just don't know enough about the minors where it's like, you know, if you're a minor league manager or coach, is your gift teaching at that level, right? Like, you can teach the fundamentals, uh, but how much of that is needed the further up you get? If you're in the Orioles organization, do you think you have talent? Okay. You you win. Yeah. You win. Uh, I have a I have a complaint. Okay. I have an absolute complaint. The Orioles have hired, uh, supposedly, Anthony Sanders to coach first base, uh, basically to, to replace uh, Wayne Kirby. I mean, uh, uh, Arnie Baylor. Yeah. Anthony Sanders is too close to Anthony Santander. Um, I'm going to make that you know mistake what? every day of the week. I am so glad that you said this because I continue to actually have this issue even up to the moment of this podcast where I look down the na- at this name and I'm like, oh, it's Anthony Santander. And I'm like, no, no, it's Sanders. But uh, that name is now stricken into my memory, um, which again, there's no reason why Anthony Santander should be struck in my memory at this time, unless you're British, but now every single time I see Anthony San, I'm like, oh, it's Santander, no question about it. I and I then think, right next to it, I'm like UK, like no question about it. the UK is supporting him. I think we should refer to the Orioles' new first base coach as Anthony Sanders. <laughs> Sanders, yes, that's what I'm going to call him from now on, Anthony Sanders. But he's coming from USA Baseball, right? Yes. Okay. Which again continues this trend of pulling in. You know, folks that are in baseball, but not from major league organizations. They are of baseball, but not from baseball. Yes. That's very deep. Very deep. I get that way sometimes. All right, let's go. Give to, me a month. I'll come up with one good line. Let's go to third base and let's talk spark business. So the Orioles are... Did you just offer to go to third base with me? Absolutely. Uh, someone has to. Um, the Orioles are rolling out um, numerous promotions to try to get fans to, in essence, come out to the ballpark, both during the season and during the off season. So... The first thing that they're doing is they're rolling out the Holiday Pack. Uh, the Holiday Pack is a combination of either four tickets or five tickets. And the five-game tickets um, will actually represent a, a chance for you to go to opening day for only $99. Um, the other one is actually not four-day things. It's three-pack. And it's the Battle of the Beltways where you could just go see um, a Nationals game, a Blue Jays game, and a Tampa Bay Rays game. Jake, um, what do you think about the Holiday Pack? I think it's great. I think we've been whining for years about the fact that there's no holiday pack. I think it's phenomenal that they're giving fans a chance to get into opening day without having to buy season tickets, because what fools would do that? Um, and really, I mean, you look at five a five-pack for 100 bucks. It's I mean, it's not price horribly. No. Um, so I, I think that's great for the, the Baltimore Orioles. I think that is exactly the kind of stuff they need to be doing because they're not going to sell a ton of tickets. And so they need to remove as many barriers as possible to selling tickets. And they need to take advantage of things like Christmas. Yes, this is a great move. I'm, I'm very, very pleased for them. There was also another announcement in terms of not just the holiday packs, but there was the kids cheer free, but like it was replacing the dugout club as it were. And it's a kids cheer free, like premium pack. Hmm. It's basically the same thing as kids cheer free. Um, except you get kind of the cool merchandise and stuff like that. But they also threw one additional incentive on top of it. They said that you get four free tickets to attend pretty much any game that you want in the lower bowl for $25. Really? Yeah. I missed this. So this is the Kids Cheer Free Plus. Yes. So you get like... It's their streaming service, I assume. Absolutely. So you get like a hatch, you get like a lanyard, etc. But again, it's 
that situation of, well, if all the kids get to come into the game regardless, what's the point for doing the dugout club? Ah. So this is they were saying, we want you to come and experience even more than the dugout club. So for $25, you get everything that you want. And in addition, we're giving you four free tickets for the lower bowl. I like this. Are these adult tickets or these, just tickets, tickets? Just tickets, tickets. So it could be like mom, dad, and then two other people could come along like the kids and you could basically sit in the lower bowl. So it gives the kids an opportunity to go and spend time in the upper deck and then come back and and come to a game um, and sit in the lower bowl as well. I love this. Here's what it says. For just $25, all kids 14 and under can join the Kids uh, Cheer Free Plus. A membership includes a limited edition cap, a lanyard, a membership card, a ticket voucher redeemable for four free lower level tickets of any value, of any value, any value, classic or uh, select home game, up to a $192 value for $25. That's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. Good for you, Baltimore Orioles. Look at you. Look at you. Yeah, pretty good deal. Um, and like I said, it's classic and select. So again, it doesn't probably include the Yankees and the Red Sox games. But who wants to be in the lower bowl with those jerks anyway? Right. But um, I thought that was a really neat package of like, hey, if I wanted to take my kid for his birthday, yeah, in the dugout club and just be like, okay, we're going for your birthday. And it only cost me $25. Like that's a, about as cheap as you can get um, to go to a game. You might as well buy that just for the, the four tickets. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying is you might as well just do it and say, Hey, we're going to, in essence, go to a baseball game and have, you know, four really nice tickets. And then you get a hat and a lanyard out of it, too. Why are you not doing this already, Jake? I was going to say, even with season tickets, I'm probably going to do this. Yes. So Okay. I I, I like this. Good for the award. Jake approves. What what happened? Do you think this is the influence of, you know, the, the, the new blood in the front office? Or do you think this is just them facing facts of the fact that nobody's going to come to watch a terrible team? Um, so I have a theory. I'm uh, all ears. Uh, so you and I both know that we have written many a letters over the years indicating this is what the Orioles should do. I've only written one strongly worded letter to the Orioles. Needless to say, we have written many letters <laughs> indicating this is how they should you know, run their front office. This is how the tickets packages you should do. Um Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, as we know, the Houston Astros are currently being investigated by MLB. Uh, obviously, uh, MLB had to go and take a look at the Orioles to make sure that there wasn't any cross correlation between the Astros and the Orioles um, during this very difficult time. I think MLB maybe got in there, opened up a filing cabinet. Some intern said, "Hey, what are all these letters doing here?" And he started scooping through them and saying. These are actually not terrible. Actually, this one's a terrible idea, but the, uh, some of these are actually pretty decent ideas. So thank you, Major League Baseball, for uh, dusting out the letters and um, you know pulling them out, as it were. I like this theory. Who says sabotage and cheating can't help the baseball game? Uh, one of thing I want to cover was the winter warm-up at third base. And uh, this is an event that's going to be having from December 14th from 11 to 2. Uh, gives everyone a chance to come out. Um, Enjoy some food trucks, some Christmas music, um, get a chance to talk to Mike Elias. Um, you get to talk to the Muppet of a Man himself, uh, Brandon Hyde. Um, you know, it just looks like a fun kind of winter bazaar, as it were. Um, and hey, there's a chance for you to go out there and get a, a Sherpa um, and uh, get, you know, additional kind of like toys and everything like that, too. And hey, free hot chocolate and uh, free coffee. So, uh it so looks like fun. They're they're looking for donations. It's uh you, you can either pay pay a five dollar donation or bring a winter a coat. Winter coat. Yeah. 
And while you're there, the Orioles team store is, is it half off? Select items are, are half off. Yeah, half off. Um, good for, for Christmas shopping. Again, this is one of those things where it's kind of a good idea. And if you're not going to have FanFest, I hope they have lots of little stuff like this. Um, you know, I don't know how many people decide to show up to listen to Elias and Mydell and, and uh, Brandon Hyde. Um, but hopefully if they have more opportunities like this, the sting of not having a fan fest won't seem quite so, uh, so bad. So bad. Yeah. All right. Anything else for a third base that you want to talk about? No, I'm all third based out. All right. Do you want to go to home plate? Oh, do I ever? All right. Let's go to home plate. Uh, Jake, big news. Big news. Really big news. That's right time, everybody. It's time for the Brian Roberts Watch. Yes, Brian Roberts has returned. And uh, he has made his triumphant appearance on the Hall of Fame ballot. What? Yeah. Brian Roberts. Absolutely. It's been five years since he played with the Yankees. Uh-huh. So um, so he'll appear on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. Yes. And then he'll be gone. He might get 5%. Who is voting for Brian? I love Brian Roberts with a passion that is inappropriate. I wouldn't vote for him if I had a vote. I mean, it's never like he was accused of taking steroids, right? <laughs> he's not a Hall of Famer. He, look, he's a Hall of Famer in my heart. He's, a, he's an Orioles Hall of Famer. He was one of the he was the premier leadoff hitter for a period of time in Major League Baseball. He was an adequate second baseman. He stole bases like nobody's business. He was a lot of fun to watch on terrible teams. He was an all-around nice guy. He was an all-star. He was a tribute to the game. He's not a Hall of Famer. Look, I mean, he had several great seasons in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. And then things started falling apart in 2010, you know, with, you know, a series of, you know, concussions and mental lapses. I mean, are we to judge a player on this basis of um, health conditions getting in his way? Or should we, in essence, say, hey, let's judge him for how great he was during the brief aspect of his career? Brian Roberts is not a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Look, hang on, I need another beer to have this discussion. <laughs> I, Brian Roberts in 2005. What what is his career war? Uh, his career war is 29.7. Uh huh. 29. 29.7. Over how many years? Um, you know, over like 13 years. <laughs> okay. But again, if you take a look at 2005, 6.8 war, 140 weighted runs created plus. It's a great season. He was he was part of the starting tandem up the middle in the AL All Star game with Miguel Tejada. Turned a fancy double play, and I think the first inning he was a credit. I wasn't embarrassed to be a Baltimore Orioles fan for that brief moment. He almost gave the Orioles a winning season in two thousand five. Well, until you went until you got married, yeah. yeah. And he came back with a goofy helmet in twenty twelve. Absolutely, that was fun. That was fun. No, look, I I adored. The opportunity to watch Brian Roberts. I have so many fond memories of Brian Roberts. He stole third base like no one else I've ever seen in my life. He played with a joy that was just incredible. And I'm very thankful for the memories. But let's not kid ourselves. Listen. He's a he's an Orioles green jacket and nothing else. I can think of no better moment than all-time great 
Yankees player, Derek Jeter, going with an all-time great Yankees player, Brian Roberts. You hurt me. <laughs> why, why, why do you hurt me? All right, Scotty, I, I think we have rounded the base. Uh, I'm going to hit myself in the head with a bat when I get back to the dugout. And uh, can we uh, can we maybe get into some uh, minor squabbles? Scott, lots of stuff happened between the last time we were on the mics and now. And one of those things that happened was that there has been some news that uh, the relationship between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball is getting a little testy as it comes time to renegotiate their deal. Um, and we've gotten wind of Major League Baseball's proposal um, to fundamentally change that relationship. Um, so, you know, we've heard a lot about what they want to do. They want to remove 42 minor league teams, reduce the number of minor league teams that are there, eliminate completely short season, lower level uh, minor league baseball. They want to reduce the number of rounds in the major league draft um, to 20 to 25. They want to realign those remaining minor league teams into a more geographically sound grouping. Um, they want to consider instituting minor league baseball profit sharing to provide the, the smallest and, and markets that are in worse shape um, to, to be able to get more resources to improve facilities. And they want to establish what they'll call a dream league, which will be uh, partially funded by major league baseball and will, um, you know, will help, replace the baseball that these minor league affiliates that get removed. Uh, I, I want to talk about this. I'm curious what you thought about it. Major League Baseball has a ton of, of claims of how they think this will be better. Um, minor League Baseball basically refutes all of that. And the truth, as you know, is is probably somewhere in the middle. But Scotty, before we get into the, the details beyond that, what were your thoughts when you heard about this kerfuffle? Um, yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought was, how does this impact me? Because that's my white privilege showing. Um, I said to myself, um, you know, am I going to have to drive farther now to go see an Orioles game? Will I no longer get the Aberdeen Ironbird swag that I've come accustomed to you to wearing and, and, and displaying proudly within Harvard County? Um, but I mean, I look at MLB's proposal and saying, you know, we probably don't need as many, you know, minor league teams, you know, we don't need short season minor leagues anymore. Uh, we don't need to have as many rounds. Um, and, you know, some of it does make sense. Um, that being said, I, I think it's an illusion, as it were, of saying, OK, well, we don't want to do this because it'll help folks out. But in reality, um, this isn't just about helping out the miners. This is about helping out themselves and basically making it more economical so they don't have to be putting money into something that they don't think has any value. Yeah, this this is, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, completely about the money. Yeah. Right, this is about the money that the Major League Baseball pours into Minor League Baseball. Um, but, you know, let, let's talk about what Major League Baseball says beyond, you know, putting money back in their pockets. This will do. Uh, they say that it'll make the minor leagues more efficient. Not quite sure what that means. It just means there'll be less people. Uh, and it'll be closer to the home organization. 
it says that it will allow the minor league, minor league baseball to improve uh, their facilities, training facilities, medical facilities, locker rooms, playing fields. Um, and I think basically that claim is is based on like, look, we're gonna we're gonna kill minor league facilities that just don't cut it, mm-hmm. right? That that are so old that right. they can't be modern facilities or, anymore, or are in markets where they can't replace them, right? To to be uh, you know major league or minor league caliber. Um, they say that it'll improve conditions. Okay. Um, in that, you know, to reduce travel for, uh, the, that geographic realignment, mm-hmm. allowing the players to, you know, have better hotel accommodations, things of that nature. So going from like a Motel 6 to a Holiday Inn Express. Mm, exactly. Exactly. No knock on Holiday Inn Express. I'm a big Holiday Inn Express fan, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Sounds to me like you also spent some time in Motel 6. Wow. Um, they, the Major League Baseball notes that only 5% of players taken after the 25th round make it to the majors. Um, and then the weirdest thing that I saw in in uh, their their uh, communications was that the Dream League could be op- operated in quote new and compelling ways. It would p- provide professional baseball in new and compelling ways. I feel like this is exactly like what they did with the Independent League last year. Yeah, where they made rule modifications, and said, "Hey, we're going to make rule modifications to try new stuff out as a beta test, and in essence, play the players nothing." in order to basically be our guinea pigs. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget. Let me let me go to the other side of the equation. Sure. Let, let's not forget the fact that Major League Baseball just lobbied com- uh, Congress to strip minor league baseball players of minimum wage rights, right? They they just just finished yeah. lobbying Congress to change, you know, the whatever act of, you know, 1856. Uh, but also, minor league baseball is not doing as poorly as, as I thought it was. You know, looking through uh, some of the articles written lately, 2019, just just 2019, was the 15th consecutive season in which minor league baseball saw tw- uh, 40 plus million fans. Uh, it saw an attendance increase of 2.6 percent over last year, and 2019 was the high, the ninth highest single season attendance uh, total in the in the history of baseball. Um, so it's not as if every minor league baseball team is, is struggling. Um, but here, two two things that. Um, minor league baseball points to as as negative about this deal first removing 42 minor league baseball teams will take professional baseball out of many communities um particularly those that are too far away to get to other professional baseball including the majors um and second that removing those 42 minor league teams will cost not only a thousand uh jobs as far as players are concerned but even more when you talk about you know the ticket takers and and the other people that work at the ballpark yeah uh, or the front offices or, or whatever I mean, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, you're probably talking on the line of, I'm thinking five to 6,000 people. I mean, it would be one of the largest layoffs in this, in this year. I mean, yeah, if we I think mean, about it, like we think about some of the, you know, uh, you know, closing of plants within GM and stuff like that. Certainly tragic situations, um, that impact well over a thousand people. But this would dwarf that in, in, you know, multiple numbers. Yeah, if this was the airline industry or the auto industry or or any, you know, the whatever industry, we would be talking about sure. the, the impact of the market. And with baseball, it's just like, oh, whatever. We'll, we'll yeah. lose some. It's just a game. It's sports. Let's not focus on that. It, it has some, some real impacts. Now, you know, obviously, all of those are facts, right? Like, it's going to cost real people real money. Um, but I, I do have you know, some questions, and, and I think you alluded to this earlier, which is, yes, this is about Major League Baseball saving money. Absolutely, 100%. And that feels wrong and gross and dirty. But does baseball need 
160 plus minor league affiliates. No, is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, you, you, you probably don't. Um, if we think that there is, you know, 30 plus teams, there probably could be a trimming down to 120. I mean, let's be honest. We probably don't need um, as much as we, we think it is. So none of us like this. Yeah. And this, and this feels gross and it, it's going to impact a lot of people in a negative way, including locally. And we'll get to that. But from a realistic standpoint, I mean, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. I mean, when you go to a game at Aberdeen or you go to a game, um, even at Delmarva and you look through the roster, you're just like, mm, there's some people I recognize here, but it might be one or two people. The rest in essence are fillers. Yeah. Um, org soldiers. Org soldiers. Yeah. Ryan Flaherty's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and I, and I agree with you. And then, you know, looking through the Oriole or looking through the baseball's list of claims about what this will do. I mean, they're kind of things that are difficult to argue with, right? I'm like, one, isn't geographic realignment a good thing? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it is. It totally is. And Delmarva is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Like, their their closest away game is, like, three hours away. Yeah. Um, You know, aren't better facilities a good thing for our minor league players? If they actually give better facilities. Well, I, I think that the argument there, and I don't want to put words in baseball's mouth because yeah. I can't even put them on my own, but I think the idea is that if you if you strike uh, facilities like Hagerstown, mm-hmm. which is decrepit, yeah, and put those people you know, or, or put the resources in a place like, you know, a- anywhere else, then the players are getting better facilities. I, I think that's the logic. I mean, it's. It's possible. Um, I mean, but, you know, the same thing could be like, hey, uh, what happens if I move from Pigtown to Ridgely's Delight? Um, it's basically the same community. First of all, no, it's not. <laughs> Second of all, no reason to move out of Pigtown for Ridgely's Delight. Third of all, how dare you, sir? Um, all right. You're not moved by the better facilities. Okay. Let me keep going. Isn't paying players a good thing? Are they going to pay players a significant amount of more money? They claim to be. You and I know that's not the case. Yes. I mean, are we talking exactly what they were talking about before, which is like, we're going to give them a 20 to 30% increase. And it's just like, well, that's like $2,000. Like, that's a drip in the bucket. Like, that's nothing compared to what they should be getting. Recently, 100 congressmen, 100 Congress people, and I haven't looked up who they are, what their party affiliation is where they're located. I haven't I haven't done the research and I apologize. A hundred Congress people wrote Major League Baseball a letter basically condemning this action. Yeah. Obviously, this is just the first salvo of negotiations. Uh you know, Major League Baseball has thrown something out which is well let's call it aggressive. Something in the middle will happen before an agreement is signed with minor league baseball. But Congress has shown its displeasure over the fact that this has happened. Congress that just, as I indicated, gave away uh, human rights for baseball. Congress which has... Gave away human rights just in general most of the time, right? (laughs) Congress which has historically uh, supported Major League Baseball with antitrust uh, protections. I wonder, I wonder, is there a scenario in which Congress goes to Major League Baseball and says, hey, knock it off, or we're going to make this difficult for you. 
No chance. No chance. I, 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 I hear you, but we're talking about... What are, you, you what are they going to do to them? Subpoena them? We know how valuable that is. No, they can drop antitrust protections. Yeah. I'm, once they start doing that for all companies right now in the near future, I'll, I'll be interested, but I don't see any trust busting to be occurring anytime soon by this Congress. I hear you. You just said that there was going to be 5,000 to 6,000 lost jobs. Oh, absolutely. Those jobs are in congressional districts. Yes. Listen, if we draw the districts the correct way in this next election, everything's going to be fine, okay? Baltimoreans, where are you? I need you for this discussion. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's talk about things we care about. Sure. Let's get local. Diana Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get local. Um, One of the... Actually, two of the Orioles affiliates are going to be directly impacted by this. Yeah. The first, obviously, is Aberdeen, which is in your and my backyard, uh, in the fact that it is a short-season, low-level, single-A league, which would be eliminated in this proposal. Um, And the second is Frederick, which is apparently on the list uh, to get nixed. I've never been to Frederick. I don't know what the facilities are like. I don't. I don't know anything. So I've been. How how are the facilities? It's not great, but I wouldn't say they're they're decrepit. Is the best way to describe it. I, I wonder. I don't know if it's not the facilities. If it's something like they've done the the math on uh, on geographic groupings. Yes, and there's just too many sites in the Mid Atlantic. So the one thing that I think is interesting um, about the Keys location is. If you look at the locations surrounding the stadium, it doesn't allow for much more outward expansion. Mm. So if they wanted to add additional stuff to the park, it may become difficult. I was surprised to see Frederick on that list because uh, Frederick is not a tiny town. No. And it's also you know kind of the gateway to a lot of communities in Western Maryland and West Virginia. And to D.C. And Yes, and to D.C. Um, I was surprised. To yeah. see that there, um, but let let's talk about you know what could happen. One of the things that can happen is that they can change their affiliation uh, in two ways. Sure, the first is to move to a different league. Yep, and the second is to change affiliation on teams. Sure. So let's talk about Aberdeen. Yeah, Aberdeen. The stadium is nice at Aberdeen. Absolutely, Rip- Ripken Stadium is very nice. The complex is very nice. It it, it is, and and luckily for. Um, a lot of people in the community and and for the ownership group, it's built not only to host minor league baseball, but it's it's uh, built to run a, a baseball organization. Sure, um, it is a nice stadium, but is it appropriate for a higher level than short season single A? I do. I think so. I mean, if we've been to Bowie before, um, I don't think there's anything about Aberdeen that strikes me as. This is a lower class stadium than what I would come to expect. What about just number of butts and seats? How does it compare with a Frederick or a, a Bowie or a Delmarva? I still don't think it's that far off. Maybe a little, little bit lower, but I don't think it's that terrible. I don't think, in in essence, you know, when we think, you know, double A AA or triple A, they were thinking seats. I think seats can always be accommodated for a stadium. I think again, it comes back down to does it have all the fields and necessary to do the training that is necessary for those for those teams for a full season as opposed to our short season? All right. If you are the ownership group of the Ironbirds, sure. And as I just alluded, you've got a lot of other things going on. The Ripken Baseball Experience. They're, they're involved in the the Babe Ruth uh, League and things of that nature. Yep. Are you going to have to curtail some of those other not only money making? Um, endeavors, but also the fabric of what Ripken baseball is in order to become 
a low level or a high level single A team. So I think the better question comes back down to with the Ironbirds is, is Aberdeen even the right place for you? So the Ripken name obviously holds you know certain sway. We know that Ripken Baseball just recently made a deal with a Disney company um, to basically use the Wide World of Sports location uh, for Ripken Baseball going forward. Um, there has been multiple negotiations over the past few years, specifically with the city of Aberdeen and the Ironbirds, in terms of um, what tax breaks the stadium would get, what tax breaks the team would get, in order to make it more conducive to all the points that have been made of like, hey, we are giving you know people you know a, a baseball experience. We're putting jobs in the local community. Um, it gives the area to basically have people come in and do tourist destinations as well uh, with Ripken Baseball. You, in essence, need to incentivize us to stay here. So I do render to a certain regard, yes, it's a very nice stadium, but could the Ironbirds just say, if we're not happy here, we could easily just move and walk away? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and obviously, if they're not going to remain affiliated with Major League Baseball, uh, they could become a Dream League contender. The other thing to keep in mind is that some of these sites like Aberdeen yeah. uh, and all the other ones that are on the hit list, you know, maybe it's somebody like the Atlantic League. Exactly. That swoops in and says, hey, there's a great facility in Aberdeen. Yeah, uh, maybe Harford County, Maryland is not you know the juiciest uh, prime uh, market, but maybe we can drop down a team that'll be profitable there. Sure. I t- totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Um, let's talk about Frederick. And again, I'm going to admit I've never been to Frederick, so I don't know all the details. But again, a- attendance at Frederick is strong. Yes. Um, they've done really well. So I'm surprised to see that Cowboy are... Rodeo Monkey is extremely popular. popular. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I mean, I guess they could they could uh, move their affiliation to uh, you know low level A. You know, I I mentioned that Delmarva is like ridiculously far away from its competitors. Um, but what becomes of Frederick? And if the Orioles lose their relationship with Frederick, what do they do about their high level single A? team um you know but i think it comes to the point of you know does another team become that high level a does delmar become high level a does aberdeen come high level a um i I think it is just someone gets merged as it were and everyone gets kind of pushed together um and it'll be interesting to see what the compromise looks like yeah as a local you know, mm-hmm. as as somebody that that you know cares about not only our local county, um, uh, you know, the business, but also with the state economy. I hope that Frederick and Aberdeen aren't on the chopping block. I hope that some accommodation can be made. And as I think about that, every community is going through that. Oh, right? absolutely! So, Everyone is going to try to make deals, as right. it were. To maintain it, and you and I just talked about the fact, like, well, does Major League Baseball need 160 teams? No, absolutely not. And how many Ironbirds games have I been to personally in the last 10 years? Probably not as many. 30-ish, maybe. Okay, I haven't been to that many. Yeah, but I still want the club to exist. Yeah, and and everybody in the in those cities that is impacted by this feels the same way. I'm sure. Um, you know, I'm sure if you were in a small town in Montana. You probably feel a lot stronger than than somebody like me that has the opportunity to drive Jake, Jake, thirty five minutes to Baltimore. Montana doesn't have baseball teams. They have three. No, they don't. They have three. No, they don't. And they're all in the chopping block. <laughs> they are good. <laughs> well deserved. What I honestly hope that somehow Frederick comes out of this, um, 
I'm hoping that in essence, the Nationals come in and save them mm-hmm. and maybe walk away from Hagerstown and say, we're no longer keen to keep Hagerstown, but Frederick makes a lot of sense, both in terms of the fan base that we're looking to locally recruit. Um, and, you know, it's a, a state in that we can work with as opposed to Hagerstown. Um, so I think Frederick makes it out, but I don't think he makes it out in the Orioles organization. Funny that you say that. Yeah. Because I think that that is a way for the Nationals to wage war on the Orioles. Yes, I agree. Can you imagine if the Nationals dropped a team down and say, oh, I don't know, Aberdeen? Yes. Or Southern Pennsylvania? So I think it wouldn't make a ton of sense for uh, the Nationals to be in uh, Aberdeen. But I do think someone like the Phillies dropping yeah. uh, a minor league team directly into Aberdeen would be quite the, uh-oh, like, that's interesting. That um, would be problematic. Yeah, that'd be problematic for a lot of folks. Um, you know, just the amount of jerseys that popped up after the Eagles won uh, the Super Bowl uh, was quite amazing within the Harbor County, Cecil, Cecil County area. Well, Cecil Tucky, I think, has always leaned a little bit to uh, Philadelphia. A, a little bit, um, but it certainly blossomed where a lot of people started showing up in Eagles gear, and I'm like, that looks pretty fresh. And uh, lo and behold, lots of that Eagles gear disappeared. Now, there are still Eagles fans. You're absolutely right. But um, it is interesting to see how quickly people are willing to pull on, a, put on the bandwagon. Scott. Yeah. You have to understand. Yes. When those people were six, their uncles gave them an Eagles hat, and they've worn it ever since, and that is what cemented their love of the Eagles as of last week. Yep, Absolutely. But yeah, I'm really pulling for Frederick in tribute. I'm going to do just like you do during a Frederick Keys game or Jake, what you used to do, I believe, when Hayden Penn came in the game or somebody else. I'm going to get my keys out. Oh, it's Chris Ray. Chris Ray. Chris Ray. Yeah. Shake and jingle keys. my keys. It's time, time to go home. Time to go home. So, Keys, keep your head up. We're rooting for you over here in Harford County. With that, why don't we go ahead and... Uh, Close out this episode and blow the save, as it were. Well, Scotty, here we are in our off-season mode, monthly episodes rather than weekly. And uh, we are right up at the end. I mean, we barely just squeezed this one in in November. Monthly. <laughs> what happened in October? We we had one. Did we? We had, we had one in early sure? October. I, I, I researched. Okay. But we're here at the end of, of uh, November, and we're really close to Thanksgiving. It's this Thursday. Um, and so in the, the spirit of, of giving thanks, I just wanted to you know think about some of the things I'm thankful for. Uh, first, I am very thankful that I don't have to care about the opinions of Aubrey Huff anymore. Uh, that really gets me a lot of mileage. Uh, but I'm also very thankful uh, for the fact that, you know, I've had some time to recover from the 2019 Orioles season, and I do find myself missing baseball. It's nice. It's nice to have a hometown team to care about, perhaps too much, but I am thankful for that. I'm thankful very much. Uh, for the fact that, uh, Scott, we have met so many good people along the way doing this podcast. A lot of people give up their time to listen to the two of us talk inanely for an hour or more every week about uh, a terrible baseball team. And so many of them have reached out, you know, become friends. Um, and that's been awesome. 
And lastly, Scott Magnus, I'm very thankful that my best friend continues to invite me into his studio basement uh, facility to drink beer and talk Orioles baseball. Who? Hank. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know what I'm thankful for? What are you thankful for? I'm thankful that Mark Trumbo thinks he could be a pitcher. That's what I'm thankful for. Mark Trumbo, do you do you perhaps mean Stevie Wilkerson? No, no, no. Mark Trumbo said, "Hey, I think I could pitch. I I think he could pitch too, perhaps in Korea." Yeah. Hey, there's an hundred thousand dollars for us. So, O's fans, enjoy this upcoming uh, Thanksgiving. Eat all of the food. Hold your loved ones close. And hey, hang in there. We're getting close to thinking about baseball season once more and drink some good beer and that that is our show remember you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com birds eye view is available for download wherever you get your podcasts subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, stitcher google play music spotify and many others please remember to rate and view the show we appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram. Hey, we've been we've been gramming more recently. Uh, we've been trying. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. No Z's. No Z's. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. Honestly, we didn't get too political on this show. Have we ever? Well, you know, this show is like The Wired. Hey, I don't want to break the rules here. Yeah. Ravens are kind of fun to watch right now. Uh, Absolutely, no question about it. I think they're going to continue to be fun to watch. I think so. But this is a baseball podcast. We've been reminded forcefully about that. Yes. It's a baseball podcast. Remember that. We talked about the Orioles. Is that baseball? You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.